Christmas story, and uh, it's so familiar to us, but when you just read it all again, I was struck by in the carol service, uh, because we had the uh, theme of promise and fulfillment, and we had all the Old Testament readings, and then kind of the parallel New Testament readings. Do encourage you, if you've uh, not tried it, to try and read your Bible in this coming year. Um, I know that that can sound a bit daunting, but... Um, why not have a go? And then don't feel guilty if you fail. But if you don't have a go, you're going to fail. Does that make sense? Or even just the New Testament in a year. Um, just make that commitment this year. We need to be people of the word. And um, so anyway, I'll leave that with you. We're going to read from Luke's gospel and uh, chapter 2 and from verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. When Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's where I was going to stop. Shall we just pray? Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your word made flesh. Thank you, Jesus, that you came for us. Thank you that you are here by your spirit. And 
Lord, as we just spend time looking at your word because we know it feeds our spirits, nourishes our lives, we pray that this morning you would speak through this passage of scripture, that by your spirit, something that is said will just resound with our spirit and feed us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What do you want to see before you die? It's an interesting question, isn't it? What do you want to see before you die? I went on Google, of course. Where else would you go? The top 10 things to see before you die. And uh, they're all places in the world, actually, on planet Earth. Anyone know this one? It's a bit of a quiz. Get you all in the mood. Anyone? Put your hands up. We'll do like school. Over there. The Grand Canyon, well done. That was number 10. Number 9. No hands up, but you all knew that anyway. I'd make a dreadful teacher. You're in detention. For not. Next one. Oh, very good. Easter Island. Easter Island, yes. The Louvre in Paris. Where else would it be? Venice. Not Bidford, I heard that. <laughs> Although, over the past few weeks, it's looked a bit like Venice, I must admit. Oh, sorry, I missed that one. Taj Mahal, India. Now, this is the one I didn't know, so I'd be very impressed. Anchor Wat. Have you been to Anchor Wat? Well, it's one of the things you should see before you die, Daphne, according to Google. It's in Cambodia. I don't know why it's particularly great to see, but I'm sure it looks better in person than it does on that picture. Fish. Ten things to see before you die. Fish. No, this is a particular fish at a particular place. The Great Barrier Reef, yes, that's right. Two to go. Petra in Jordan. And number one, before you die, you should go and see the pyramids at Giza, which actually, that's the only one I've been to. So I can just die quite happily quite now and uh, know that I've been to the number one place to see before you die. Just a bit of fun there, if we could just close that down. Danny, thank you. In our reading, we uh, were introduced to a man called Simeon. And if you were to have asked him that question, what do you want to see before you die, it wouldn't have been a destination. It would have been a person. He lived all his life to see the promised Messiah. In fact, he had been told by revelation, a vision from God, that he would not die until he had seen the Savior of the world. And he had lived with that in his heart. And there are things that we live with in our hearts, promises from God. And sometimes they're not fulfilled yet. But God always keeps 
his promises. It wasn't kind of a a New Year's resolution thing that just sort of dissipate over the weeks. Top four resolutions, lose weight, exercise more, stop smoking, improve personal finances. Luke actually tells us more than any other gospel some of the details of the first few days of Jesus. He says he's done his research. Who did he speak to? Probably, probably spoke to Mary about those things. And we join Luke's story when Jesus is eight days old and he is taken to be circumcised according to the customs and to be named. And he was named Jesus. And his name means Savior. It was the name that was given by the angels. And then there's another visit. Because these were probably two visits. After the time of their purification, Jesus was taken by Mary and Joseph to Jerusalem and to the temple to be presented. There had to be a kind of offering for purification because after childbirth, a mother would be impure, unclean. There would be a period of purification. And then also, they would go to the temple to redeem their firstborn. And that Uh, ceremony, that presentation of the firstborn went back to the time of the Passover when they were brought out of slavery in Egypt in the Exodus, when the firstborn had been spared by the blood of the lamb as the angel of death passed over. And so from then on, every firstborn male had to be consecrated to the Lord, to God's service. However, parents could redeem could buy back their child, as it were, by bringing an offering, paying a price, normally five shekels. Purification, there would, if you were wealthy, would be a lamb, or maybe two doves, or if you were poorer, two pigeons. And it just struck me for, because I've read this again and again and again, the image of Mary and Joseph coming for purification and for redemption of their son, which included a sacrifice and a price. It struck me that on the day Mary and Joseph come to present Jesus to redeem him, they stand in the temple with their sacrifice and the price, but also with Jesus in their arms, who is the sacrifice for the whole world. And the price that would be paid would be when Jesus dies on the cross. Amazing to think that Mary and Joseph were there with their offering of two pigeons and their five shekels for purification, redemption of Jesus. And there they hold Jesus in their arms. It was on that day that Simeon, now an old man, was moved to go into the temple by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that Luke mentions three times the Holy Spirit with regard to Simeon. And what he wants us to take from that is what Simeon has to say is very important. He tells us that Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was on him. He was inspired 
by the Holy Spirit. He had lived with a hope and a vision beyond himself. What do we want to see before we die? It would be lovely to see beautiful parts of the world, I'm, I'm sure that, but that's so small, isn't it? What do we want to see before we die? It may be different for each one of us, but let's have big dreams and big visions. Let's seek God. What does God want us to see before we die? Simeon had lived with this hope and his vision, and he saw that this Messiah that he saw in this baby Jesus was going to be the savior of the whole world. And that too is amazing. That Simeon has this revelation as he sees the baby Jesus. That Jesus, this child, is going to be the savior for the whole world. Not just for the Jews. Not just for Israel. He is going to be a light for the Gentiles. He's going to be a light for the whole world. As John would put it in his gospel, the true light that gives light to all men was coming into the world. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And when he saw Jesus, this old man, he just rejoiced. He couldn't keep it in. He took Jesus in his arms and he began to praise God. He knew he had seen God's salvation because he had seen the Savior. Now, he wouldn't live to see the salvation that Jesus bought on the cross. But it was enough for Simeon to see the Savior had come because God keeps all his promises. If the Savior is here, salvation is on its way for the whole world. But he also knew that he had a task to prepare Mary. Amazing how God works out all the details. That he uses this old man Simeon to prepare Mary for the death of her child. Because all the events of that first Christmas... The announcements from the angels, the shepherds coming, the wonder of it all, Mary treasuring all those things that were said in her heart, Simeon has to say that peace would not attend her son. He says of Jesus that Jesus will cause the falling and rising of many, that he would be spoken against and that he would expose the hearts of many. That there would come a day that when there would be pain and anguish too. That the road that Jesus was to travel would be hard. And Mary would feel as if a great military sword would be thrust through her own soul. Even here, right at the beginning, we're told that Jesus actually, the Prince of Peace, will not experience peace in his life. And in Luke chapter 12, further on in his gospel, Luke records Jesus saying, in chapter 12, verse 49, 
I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And, I, and it's a hard thing, because Jesus came to show the world God's love, didn't he? He came to rescue the world, but his coming will cause division, because his coming will provoke the world. It will be a clash of kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. And there will be those who choose not to accept Jesus. There will be those who choose to go a very different way. And here, right at the beginning, Simeon warns Mary that this will be the case. That her son will be rejected. That reading in Luke 12 reveals the anguish in Jesus' heart. He had come to save the world. There is no one on this planet that Jesus didn't love enough to die for, but he knows. Well, some will say no. It would be wonderful. It would be wonderful that, to preach a gospel that says, Jesus will save everybody. And it doesn't matter what you believe, we're all going to be in heaven one day. It is not true. Yes, Jesus came to show God's love to the world, but he came on a rescue mission. Because we were lost and heading the wrong way. And he has come to save. Luke invites his readers as they read on in his gospel to watch and see these prophecies come true. Yes, the plan of salvation is for all peoples, without distinction. But fulfilling the prophecies of Isaiah, Isaiah 8, Jesus would be a stumbling block to some, a rock of offense to others. Even today, we look around our world, he is a stumbling block to many and a rock of offense to others. And why? What about Jesus would cause offense? It's because he is the savior of the world and there is no other way. But also the savior of the world is going to be the judge of the whole world. This baby in Simeon's arms, one day every one of us will stand before him and give account of our lives and our faith. Towards Jesus, there is no neutrality. And that's why we proclaim his gospel. Because we want people to know that Jesus loves them and he came to save them. But there is a choice to be made. I'm convinced more and more that I need to be bolder in challenging for decisions about Jesus. I think I've satisfied myself with trying to influence people for Jesus. But I think we need to be bolder. Decisions need to be made. 
And maybe the answer is no. But if we keep asking for decisions, someone, somewhere along the line, is going to say yes to Jesus. We do it with love and with all grace. But it is so urgent. I meet so many people who are just putting it off for another day. I'll think about that later. Well, they've not even ever heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's so urgent. I'm not sure Mary and Joseph would have understood all that Simeon was saying, but one day, certainly Mary, she would stand watching her son being crucified. That sword piercing her soul, I hope, would take some comfort that God was still in control. That was part of the plan. And there on the same day, there in the temple was another godly saint, a prophetess, a woman, Anna. She'd only been married just a few years, seven years, and then been a widow, and now 84 years old. She'd known sorrow in her life. But here she was in the temple, worshipping, praying, fasting. And she too was there at the time when Jesus was brought. And she comes to Mary and Joseph and gives thanks to God and speaks about Jesus. The Messiah, the Deliverer, the Restorer of Jerusalem. Anna, in her disappointment in life, I guess could have chosen to do two things. Disillusionment and disappointment in our lives, particularly with regard to God, can actually harden our hearts toward God. Or those things can actually soften our hearts so that we pour ourselves upon God continually. I think I think it depends on how well we trust God. Because there are some things that do happen that we'll never know the answer to. But we know that God is good. And we know that God is for us. So we can trust him with everything. Even when we cannot see what he is doing in that situation. And Anna has a soft heart and a heart that is open to God. And most of all, she was a worshiper. She spent her days pouring out her love to God in praise. For her, she was always at the temple, but for you, it may be at work or at home to be pouring out your heart to God. And it's interesting that when she encountered Jesus there in the temple, as she was worshipping, she went and told everyone who Jesus was. Just like the shepherds. She'd seen and believed, and now she was going to tell everyone. It's our mandate as well to tell everyone about Jesus. Let's try and get Jesus, and perhaps not church. Let's replace church with Jesus. I talk to a lot of people about church. 
I'm going to start talking more about Jesus. He's the one that makes the difference. Sometimes you get a blank look. I remember even just this past week telling somebody, everything changed in my life when I met Jesus. And they smiled and just, I don't think what they made of it. But conversation moved on. But I want to get his name in. Anna told everyone about Jesus. As we look to a new year, I don't, want, don't know what you would want to see before you die. I don't know what your new year's resolution is. But through the example of Simeon and Anna, we are encouraged to not give up hold on to the hope that we have in all God's promises and have a desire to live for it. And I would say, even if we do not see it, to live for it. To be a worshipper, a seeker after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I have a vision to see revival in the British Isles. It's what I want to see before I die. What do you want to see before you die? Maybe it's Jesus come again. That would be up there, wouldn't it? We're going to pray uh, together. And then in a moment, we're going to make a New Year declaration together. We'll stand in a few minutes just to commit ourselves and as a church to God's plan and purposes for us. But let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the reminder of Simeon and Anna, these godly folk who were waiting for you. We thank you for their example to us in our lives. And as we stand at the doorway of a new year, we pray that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit. That we would live as those who know your amazing grace. Forgiveness, salvation. Help us to be bold in our witness. Help us like Jesus to hold truth and grace in equal measure. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will being done, Lord. We see a world in so much need, in so much strife. And we know that you are the answer. And in our personal lives, the things that we have brought to you in our worship this morning, we pray that in this coming year, we would see your hand and your will and your purposes fulfilled in us. Lord, we commit ourselves to you 
again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Danny, if we could have that New Year declaration up. I'll read this slide and then we'll stand and read the following slides together. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Let's stand. And let's say this declaration, this prayer together as a church. Uh, I'll give you a moment to ready yourself. If you would like to say this prayer together. As we stand at the beginning of a new year, we commit ourselves again to being followers of Jesus Christ. We choose to live the rest of our lives serving God's purposes with God's people, for God's glory. We will use our lives to celebrate his presence, cultivate his character, participate in his family, demonstrate his love, and communicate his word. We will value worship over wealth, character over comfort, service over status, and people over possessions. At the gate of a new year, we choose to put our hand in the hand of God. Amen. We stand as we sing our final.